Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda. Let me apologize in the forefront. We had some technical issues that we are continuing to resolve as the show continues to move on. Top story of the day. Queen Elizabeth II has died, 96 years of age. The royal family informed us by way of tweet. Uh, the queen died peacefully this afternoon, according to the Twitter account of the royal family. The king and queen consort will remain in um, Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow, according to the latest update. Also, uh, this was um, obviously somewhat expected because a report came out from the medical doctor that said the majesty uh, that her health uh, was in danger, that her health was um, compromised. Uh, she is now passed on. She has now passed on to the other side. All right, thoughts and prayers with the family and friends of those connected to the royal family. All right. A cop in Atlanta has been charged with multiple felonies for pointing his gun at a family family and yelling the N-word. Now that's according to the narrative. Let's put up a picture of this particular cop. Former Atlanta police officer Robert Malone is now facing felony charges following a road rage confrontation. He is now out on bail. Let me give you the egregious nature of this report. During the time of him pulling out this gun, during the time of him allegedly yelling racial slurs, calling this family the N-word, he was in plain clothes. After doing this, he left the scene of the crime. He has resigned from the Atlanta police force. He was allowed to resign after he was indicted for these felonies. Let me give you the background. A spokesperson for the Atlanta Police Department told WSB-TV, that officer Robert Malone resigned in July, weeks after he was arrested for felony charges from the incident. Courtney Harris and Quentin Rogers allege Officer Malone pointed a gun at them and their three children in a car in May, threatened to shoot Harris and called the family the N-word. However, Officer Malone's attorney argues that Rogers and Harris were the aggressors and only backed down after they realized Malone was an off-duty cop, but not in uniform. So there's more. That put the biggest fear in them, just like seeing that gun being pointed at them, and then my 11-year-old holding my 8-year-old daughter's head to protect her, telling her the gun is pointed right here, Harris told 11 Alive on September 1st. Here's a direct quote. I cried that night. That hurt. Malone's attorney, Brian Tevis, said the version of the events that the couple relayed to the media does not match what they told the police. So let's get into more background. According to 11 Alive News, the police report shows that on May 5th, a woman said a man driving a black Camaro pointed a handgun at them near the Reynolds Town District. After Harris nearly hit, nearly hit the Camaro as she was exiting the parking lot. The driver blew his horn, yelled curse words at her family, 
and called her the N-word for several minutes while they were stuck in traffic, she told the police. Harris reportedly told police that Officer Malone said, and I quote, uh, he will blow her brains out. He later pointed a gun at her family, Harris told reporters. I see him pointing a gun, though the window, through the window, window, and I'm like, really? My kids are in the car. My kids are in the car, Harris said. And he's like, I don't care. I don't give an F. Called us the N-word while the traffic was still at a standstill. Harris told reporters she and Rogers stopped their car and approached Malone's vehicle to confront him. The police report shows Rogers started yelling at Malone and then the off-duty officer fled the scene. Once again, the off-duty officer fled the scene. If he did nothing wrong, why does the cop flee the scene if all of his actions were above board? I see a badge on his shoulder and it says Atlanta police. She said, it was just shocking. How could you be doing this? Harris reportedly flagged down another officer near the scene of the incident who was responding to an accident. Malone, who worked for Atlanta police for 13 years, told investigators later that he left the scene because he did not want to infuse the situation. <laughs> That's why he left, okay? He did not want to make it worse. He was placed on administrative leave before resigning on July 12th. He is out on bond for what? Violation of oath, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and first degree cruelty to children. I'm going to explain those charges in just a moment. The attorney, Tevis, said, however, that after Harris almost hit Malone's Camaro, she and her boyfriend got out of the car, approached the former police officer, became aggressive, and threatened him. So the attorney is saying, basically, um, what happened was opposite of what is reported. Now, here's what's interesting. You need to note a few things here. The attorney did not say his client never used the N-word. Need you to understand, sometimes it's not about what the attorney says, it's also about what they left out. The attorney did not say, hey, this police officer of 13 years for the city of Atlanta did not use the N-word at any time during this interaction. It was simply an argument, and he left the argument once he realized there was no danger or threat. That's not what the attorney said. The attorney is saying, well, the other people were the aggressors, as if that means he was then allowed to use the N-word to point his gun at children and citizens while off-duty, no uniform, no commission, nothing. He had no commission to serve. He had no uniform. He was not on duty, and he pointed a gun at the family. Now, remember, he got suspended and was forced to resign after he was indicted, which means there are already at least two somewhat conclusive investigations. The first investigation was from his own police department. Remember, he did this off-duty. They decided his off-duty conduct warranted him to no longer be on active duty. That's one investigation. The second investigation was by those in the prosecutor's office. He got indicted. That's another investigation. His attorney is the only one saying he did nothing wrong. So the police have admitted he did something wrong. 
prosecutor has admitted he did something wrong. All of the family is saying this is the wrong he did, but the attorney is saying he did absolutely nothing adversarial to the policy and directive of being a police officer. We're going to continue to follow this story. Obviously, the issue is this. If you believe black people are the N-word, if you believe black folk are deserving of you pulling out guns on them and their children, that's a problem. You should not serve in a position of public trust. Number two, let me explain these charges. The charges are violation of oath, aggravated assault, and first-degree cruelty to children. Let me explain why this is important. I said this before and I'll say it again. Anytime there's a violation of oath charge, that means somebody is possibly serious about prosecuting the cop. When there is no violation of oath charge, typically the fix is in. So you got a violation of oath here. Good. Excellent. He wasn't even on duty and damn it, still got the charge. I like this prosecutor already. Also, cruelty to children. Here's why that's important in Georgia. In the state of Georgia, if you utilize profanity in front of a child, and yes, racial slurs uh, qualifies profanity, you can be charged with cruelty to children. Now, is that a loose way to apply the law? Of course it is. But they apply that law against uh, black and brown folk all the time in the state of Georgia. It's on the statute. It's on the books. And now this charge has been applied to a cop. All right. My dear brother, what are your thoughts here? Well, uh, you've summed it up pretty well. You know, as far as his lawyer, what else is his lawyer going to say? Of course, his lawyer is going to say he didn't do it. Uh, the the story that the family story changed. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a gun pointed at you. It is a very scary, upsetting situation. So you can only imagine if the mother of this, these children had a gun pointed at her and then you interview her about it, and then you talk to her about it later. I mean, she shook up. So the story might change a little in detail. What doesn't make sense from his story, let me back up. First thing that bothers me, and this, this is the thing they always do. The picture they sent out of this cop is his hero picture. Mm -hmm. But if you ever notice when a black person gets arrested, they go out of their way to find the worst picture of you, a picture that makes you look like you know, whatever suspect, criminal, whatever they want you to do, they certainly don't use that hero shot. Now, That's right. the, the, um, the other thing is his story just doesn't make sense because if they, so say maybe, I don't know what, he cut them off and they almost hit his car or whatever, they get mad. How are they going to get out of the car, go and yell at you in your car then how do you explain pointing a gun at them while with they had to be in the car because they were with their kids? So his story is they got out. They went and yelled at him in his car. They saw the Atlanta police badge. They went back to his car. Then he walked over to their car, pointed the gun at them, got back in his car and drove off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it would play out. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. I know it's a serious situation, but you have to laugh because these stories are ridiculous. And what's yeah. annoying about this so often with these police stories is they're so confident they'll get away with it. They don't even work on a good lie. Mm. That's a hell of a point because you're right. Um, his own restore, his own story sounds um, even more ridiculous than what the hell he did. Um, all right. So we're going to continue to follow that. Obviously, that's likely to go to adjudication quickly.
Mississippi officials, you know what they did? They gave millions of dollars to rich people, including Brett Farr. They gave a bunch of money to the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. What the hell does Ted DiBiase have to offer the state of Mississippi and his son? Now, remember, Mississippi is experiencing a water crisis like no other. Jackson, Mississippi, 85, 90% African-American. So let's talk about all this money. I'm talking about 70 plus million dollars going to people who did not deserve it. All right. Uh, let's put up Brett Farr's picture. Go ahead and do this the right way here. Brett Farr, favorite of many, is one of the individuals who received a whole lot of money to do speaking engagements. Brett Farr was recently questioned by the FBI for his involvement in a Mississippi welfare money scandal. According to reports, Farr was paid $1.1 million in federal welfare funds in 2017 to 2018 for motivational speeches he allegedly never gave. Although Farr has now paid some of the money back, the Mississippi State Auditor says he still owes $228,000 in interest. Keep his picture up. You see that guy, Brett Farr? Welfare queen. Right there. Okay? $1.1 million of taxpayer money from a welfare program in Mississippi. There's more. Let's put up the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase and his son. The million dollar man, Ted DiBiase's Christian nonprofit received more than 2 million in federal welfare funds from the state of Mississippi. The payment began shortly after DiBiase's son, Brett, AKA Ted DiBiase Jr was hired by the MDHS, okay? The younger DiBiase, a former wrestler himself who worked for the Heart of David before being hired as the department's deputy administrator, resigned his post after nine months. He was one of six people indicted last week and accused of embezzling how much? $4.15 million, once again, in welfare funds, 48,000 of which was used to pay for Brett's treatment at a luxury drug rehab facility in California. Ted DiBiase's senior, uh, his name and heart of David do not appear in the indictments. The auditor also revealed something. The auditor revealed that 70 million in temporary assistance for needy families, welfare funds were dished out to a millionaire athlete, a professional wrestler, a horse farm, and a volleyball complex. According to officials, Brett Farr has not been charged, and his lawyer has repeatedly claimed Farr did nothing wrong, but there's a bigger issue here. Uh, let me stop just for a moment on this point. To the attorney of Brett Farr, if Brett Farr did nothing wrong, then why did Brett Farr pay the money back excluding interest? If Brett Farr did nothing wrong, why have we not been able to see a clear indication of work, work provided? He was paid for speaking. That's already insane, okay? He's a multimillionaire and the state of Mississippi is the poorest damn state in the United States of America. So if he did nothing wrong, 
show me the receipts of the work he performed. Just show me one, one speaking engagement. Did he do one? Did he come, did he come and speak to at least one event? There's more. Mississippi, as I said, is the poorest, the poorest state in the union. 18.8%, damn near 20% of his residents live at or below the poverty line. The state also boasts the highest child poverty rate in the country, with 27.9% of its under 18 population meeting federal poverty guidelines. Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi, is the state's biggest city and is currently engulfed in a water crisis which has left more than 180,000 residents without running water. Now, I've explained this before. Jackson, Mississippi is 85, 90% African-American. Jackson, Mississippi, holistically, democratic, politics, race, et cetera, play into this debacle. But let me highlight two numbers. Right now, we can calculate 70 plus million dollars, 70 plus million was paid out from the state of Mississippi to rich ass white folks, okay? 70 plus million. Do you know how much is allocated for the infrastructure, for water infrastructure from the federal government to the state of Mississippi? $75 million. Literally, they spent the same amount of money they have in their entire budget for infrastructure development for the state of Mississippi, while black folks in Mississippi don't even have clean drinking water, while black people in Mississippi, black children in Mississippi can barely flush the toilet because of water pressure issues, while senior citizens in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, are being threatened with dying because of the unsanitary conditions. Let's put up a picture of the mayor who has been sounding the alarm. Finally, people are listening. Jackson's mayor, Lumumba, said the city's water plant had failed numerous times since 2020. They knew about it a couple of years ago. He sounded the alarm, they did nothing. The state did nothing. According to the, the official in early 2020, the city's water system failed an EPA inspection. Nothing was done. In the report, the agency wrote that the drinking water had the potential to have the presence of harmful bacteria and parasites. Based on evidence, there was cloudiness in the water. They also expressed concerns about the condition of the distribution system, et cetera, et cetera. All of this years ago, years ago, known by the governor, known by the officials, known by those in charge of the private company that did this. Nothing was done to help. Now, once again, we have encouraged individuals to provide what you can to the people of Jackson, Mississippi. Um, we have done multiple water drives through my radio show. We're going to continue to do those. But contact, contact the people in Jackson, Mississippi. Contact some of the organizations, um, the Relief Fund. They are working, Disaster Relief Fund. They're working locally with residents and churches and other organizations to make sure people have at least clean bottled water, if nothing else. All right. My dear brother, what are your thoughts here? Well, um, again, it's another tough story, but Mississippi is going to Mississippi. 
You know what I mean? I mean, this is nothing new for Mississippi government officials to steal the money divided up amongst themselves and their rich white Republican friends and allow the black people in, in Jackson or anywhere else in Mississippi to suffer. This is nothing new. This, this is horrible. This, this is incomprehensible that you have a major city with no water. I mean, no water. They, it's not just drinking water. It's not being able to flush toilets. It's not being able to wash your dishes. It's, they have no water. And as you said, they've known this for years. And I don't, this is what I don't understand. How can the federal government not charge these people um, mm. when you have the fraud? And, and again, not even trying hard to hide it, right? Like you said, giving the money to, to Brett Favre, uh, his motivational speeches must really be bad because he didn't motivate anyone to do anything. Uh, yeah. And the exact numbers matching up, here's 70 million from the federal government, let's divide up 70 million. I don't understand why there aren't federal charges in this kind of corruption. Maybe yeah. there'll be some, but the immediate problem, like you said, is water. And I, I don't know, the federal government has to step in and take over. Yeah. And say, yeah, we're going to take the money and we're going to get water. We're going to build the infrastructure for this city because you haven't. Yeah, Brett Favre, the only motivational speech he got paid for was the one he did behind the scenes to get that damn contract. That was yeah. the motivational speech he got money for. All right. Florida man arrested. Florida man arrested for voter fraud says it was all a setup. DeSantis has created, has launched this ridiculous campaign that criminalizes individuals like him. Let's go ahead and put up the picture. I will give you background. You are going to be upset. Two black men in Florida said they received a voter registration card from the state before being arrested for voting illegally. They got a voter registration card from the state and then got arrested for voting illegally. A Miami man is facing years, all right? So Ronald Lee Miller, that's what you're looking at. Ronald Lee Miller is facing five years in jail for voter fraud and says he was under the impression that his rights were restored because he received a voter ID card, which would be a common connection. Nothing abnormal about his belief. Miller, who has been incarcerated for murder, said he registered to vote after a campaigner at a supermarket told him he was in fact eligible in 2020 and encouraged him to fill out the form. There's more. However, in mid-August, mid-August, Miller was awakened in the wee hours of the morning by a barrage of armed cops. Miller was one of 20 people in Florida rounded up by Governor Ron DeSantis. This was his election crimes and security task force for election fraud registering to vote with past convictions. My house was surrounded by 50 U.S. Marshals, he said. You do me like that, question mark, for a card, question mark. With a murder conviction, the only way Miller could get his voting rights restored is to file an application with the state's clemency board only if it has been 10 years since he completed his sentence, probation or parole. Now, they typically do not tell individuals who are released, what qualifies and what does not. As a matter of fact, there are many crimes that you could commit in Florida and still be able to vote. If you go north a little bit to Georgia, you can be a convicted murderer, not have to go through any restoration process, and you can actually just vote once you finish your sentence and all 
probation, parole, and fees, restitution, etc., are paid. No restoration needed. Only when there's a crime of moral turpitude, which murder does not qualify, ironically, that is when you have to go through a restoration process in other states. But once again, this is state to state and the laws change frequently. So he was told by someone he believed to be an expert that no, he actually is eligible. So he registers. He registers and the state says, hey, guess what? You're eligible. We're going to send you this card. Then he goes to vote. The person that accepts it says, you're eligible. They accept the vote. He's happy. He's a productive citizen again. He served his time. He did something wrong. He served his time. He voted. He gets arrested. Um, let's put up the other young man, uh, Robert Simpson of Pahokee, a city on the shore of Lake Okeechobee, served time for murder three decades ago, 30 years ago. Simpson said he also thought his rights were restored. He filled out a voter registration form. He also received a voter ID card. Miller said he received a letter last month after the fact informing him that he was ineligible to vote. Now, let me give you some background to this task force that has been created, because I hope you know what this is really about. This is about intimidation. This is about making people afraid, especially people of color. This is about Ron DeSantis utilizing policy and legislative protocol in order to retain, obtain, and maintain power. That's all this is. It's nothing more. Because if they really cared about who voted based on their background, what they would do is have a protocol that would red flag anyone who in fact did not qualify. They don't have that. That doesn't exist. So what they do is they allow individuals to register. The state will approve them, give them the registration card. They will then be accepted at the local board of elections based on that card. They are allowed to vote. And then at some point they check the system and they say, here are the people we're going to arrest now. They could check the system before it even gets to that point. They choose not to. So they could do things like this to citizens in Florida. June 2019, the governor signed a bill. He signed this bill into law blocking formerly incarcerated people from automatically getting their rights restored unless they pay off all their court fees, restitutions, and other legal obligations. That was one dynamic. Governor DeSatan signed the bill creating the Office of Election Crimes and Security in April. That was the next step, which is tasked with investigating all election crimes in Florida and overseeing the implementation of measures that will ensure Florida's election remains secure. While DeSantis has put the blame on local election supervisors, officials say there is no statewide system that sufficiently flags someone ineligible to vote. Well, yes, they do. They do have a statewide system. It's after they vote. That's the statewide system. So after they vote, they have a statewide system in place in order to find individuals like we just highlighted. Now, remember, there's noted voter fraud from individuals who support Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, one person who was an attorney, who is an attorney in Florida, created a scheme in Georgia 
and is being prosecuted by Georgia, but not prosecuted by Florida, even though Florida has jurisdiction to do so. This was done in spite of a ballot initiative back in 2018. Let me explain that. The governor has shown some resistance to voting rights restoration during his one term as Florida governor. While Florida voters took the polls, took to the polls, and selected him as their next governor by a tight margin in November 2018, 65% also voted to approve a constitutional amendment that automatically restored voting rights uh, to citizens with past convictions, excluding murder and serious sex crimes. All right, so that's what they're doing now with taxpayer money. They could do it more efficiently. They could stop this madness, they choose not to. They're trying to make an example out of people and strike fear in the hearts of others. Uh, my dear brother, what are your thoughts on this? Well, there's so many things you touched on. One thing from the financial standpoint, how much does it cost for 50 marshals yeah. to arrest one man over voter fraud? And and how do you give someone a card? I mean, this is a setup from the start, right? They They talk you into filling out this form. They send you a state card, makes you think you can vote. You go vote and you find out you can't vote. And I remember when Florida voted for people, ex-felons, ex-convicts to be able to vote, and DeSantis created that restoration, financial restoration thing just to keep them from voting. Yep. So it's a setup. It's a total setup from the start. By the way, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or a nickname, but when you called him Governor DeSatan, how is that not <laughs> trending as the name he should have? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely intentional, dear brother. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I'm glad to read this comment first. Uh, Biden Flavor Corn Pop says, I'm up at 3.30 a.m. to see Dr. Ritchie today because he's going to tell us how we can get water to folks struggling in Jackson, Mississippi. A trustworthy route is paramount, uh, paramount, especially to those of us donating from overseas. That is absolutely correct. Here's what I want everyone to do. If you want to help the people of Jackson, Mississippi, I want you to go to formississippi.org, for F-O-R, Mississippi.org, for Mississippi.org. They are providing updates and opportunities for you to provide direct help to those in Jackson, Mississippi. Once again, that is for F-O-R Mississippi.org. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You're gonna feel free! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Stop the killing! Stop the killing! These Mexicans, what are you talking about? Yeah, look at the borders open right now, you idiot. We're talking about dogs, innocent animals that are being killed here. Exactly. Why are you bringing up the border Mexicans? Because it is. That's what this is the world about. We need peace and love. Oh, that's real peaceful. Yep. This red situation there, Mel Karen. Imagine being so damn racist that everywhere you go, you believe the context is pro-racism. He sees white people saying, stop the killing, all of a sudden, his mind says, racism, let me say something racist really quickly. Oh, we're talking about saving animals. Well, let's put up the picture. 
of him full mass, it was at this moment he knew he effed up. Right there. Okay. These individuals are walking around looking for a good opportunity to be racist. They belong in a Klan rally. All right. Alonzo, thoughts here, brother. <laughs> I'm not even sure. So was Karen upset because they were talking about stop killing Mexican immigrants? Was did that offend him, the idea of not killing Mexican immigrants? Or was he worried about them coming in? Like, <laughs> this is, you know what this is? This is a Florida man, right? I mean, we all know the Florida man story. Well, here it is. I don't know what planet he's living on or who he's arguing with, but it, okay. So they're, they're out to save animals. Maybe it's one of those kill shelters or something like that. And he starts blaming the, the immigrants from Mexico. What? Yeah. I don't know, Doc. Maybe, yeah. maybe he put that hat on too late. Maybe his head had <laughs> been in the sun for a little too long. When he got his hat, it had already been baked. I honestly don't yeah. know. I'll well, tell you this, thing. though. Go ahead. Very, it, it is very much a MAGA technique yeah. when you ask him about one thing to answer about something else. That is a technique they use. So maybe he's been to a MAGA camp and that's that's what he's working on. Well, I can guarantee you this. He voted for Donald Trump. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right. No Illegally. About it. He probably voted <laughs> right. illegally, but he voted the twice. 50 marshals haven't got to his house yet. <laughs> haven't, haven't caught up with him yet. Okay. Uh, let me give a big shout out to these students. Students walked out of their school and protest because of white privilege cards. Let's put the card up. Along with the person came up with the concept. How ironic is that? The white privilege cards have made another appearance this time in a high school in Oklahoma. For reference, these are the cards created by Joel Patrick, a black comedic influencer known as the legendary black redneck for the purpose of humor, according to him. But they have taken this white privilege card, we've covered it multiple times, and they have used it at Trump rallies. One lady was able to get out of a traffic ticket because she produced a white privilege card instead of her driver's license and did not have to take a DUI test, field sobriety test, even though she was swerving on the road, it was late at night and she was possibly drinking. So these things obviously come in handy. Let me give you background, when the students of Charles Page High School returned for the school year, they were greeted by a number of other students handing out white privilege cards. They were doing this in the hallways. According to Fox 23 News, the students were fed up with the nonsense hosted and, and decided to host a walkout at protest of the racism. Okay, the report says these cars now that are sold on Amazon were seen nationally but this is the first time they were spotted locally in their state, Oklahoma. One student, uh, Fabian, said he was handed a card and called a racial slur in the same moment. Previously, a picture of a black student circulated on Snapchat offering a cash reward. We're not going to show uh, the picture of that student. Parents had previously complained about the racism within the school. Uh, the Sand Springs School District, nothing was done, all right? 
So the students had enough. They walked out in protest because the adults refused to be adults. The people they have trusted to be leaders decided not to. And even though this is a problem in multiple schools in Oklahoma, the Republican legislature, they have not passed laws in order to remedy these problems. No, they want you to think that critical race theory is an evil. It's not even taught in K through 12 education. Let's put up the picture of this particular superintendent. Her name is Sherry Durkee. She is the Sand Springs Public Schools superintendent. She said the district students, and I quote, are really good at reporting to us. So it wasn't long before they let us know what was going on, adding that she has no idea what the student's intended purpose was and distributing the cards. The superintendent said Wednesday's walkout was peaceful and uneventful. No, it was eventful, madam. It was eventful to your failed leadership. You don't know what they were doing with those cards. They were racially bullying with those cards. It's bullying. You, you don't know what bullying is and you are the superintendent of schools. Now, damn it, madam, either you need to wake up or get another job. The students knew exactly what was happening. That's why black students and white allies walked out in protest because your teachers, your administrators, your faculty, madam, did nothing. I do not call this uneventful. This was very eventful. There's more. She said, I think students felt the need to have their voices heard, which is understandable. She said about 40 kids walked out at 11 today. There was no violence. They spoke their piece. They weren't off campus. Then they disassembled and went back to school. She said she understands where the students are coming from. I'm sure you do. Uh, I would say thank you for standing up. I want to hear what you have to say. I think our administrative team does as well. She said, our job is to educate them. But part of educating them is to listen to them. Um, Superintendent Durkee said, the students involved in the privilege card would be reprimanded, but would not specify to KTUL what that reprimand or punishment would be. Okay, I get it, Madam Superintendent. You're in a pickle here. You're trying to save face create a public relations spin. Let me go ahead and unspin that for you. You see, the students have been complaining about this before the walkout. The students said this was happening before it did. You provided no leadership. The local school, according to the youth, provided no leadership either. Now, all of a sudden, all of you all are leaders. But look at that. Big ups to the students for making you be the best administrator you should be. All right, Alonzo, thoughts here? Well, I'm not sure if the initial guy who created these white privilege cards, if he was trying to do it as a spoof or a joke or something like that. I, don't, I really don't know. But what I wonder, what, what would they be saying if, so some kid pulls out a white privilege card, right, calls a, a black or brown kid or whatever, a um, racial name. What if that black or brown kid punched that kid in the face and then pulled out a race card? Would they find that funny? Mm. Would they, <laughs> you know what Come I mean? Would that be would that be okay? Um, 
even if these were intended as a spoof, they're a bad idea because like you said, they they believe in it and they believe it works. And it has worked when you can hand a white privilege card to a cop. And this goes back to the bigger thing of not teaching the racial history of America and being afraid to tell these people the truth. By the way, the kids know, the kids know. And, and deeper, if you dig deeper into this article, they talk about the racism that these kids learn. They learn from their parents and they learn, it, it's a history that's taught to them that they are somehow better and this privilege is built in and they're laughing about using these cards. Yeah. But I just wonder if black and brown kids started coming back at them and dropping a race card, what would this school superintendent say? And would it be some quiet, what did they say? They punished them, but they're not gonna say what it is or whatever. Would it be handled the same if you flip the script. Somehow, I doubt it. Yeah, and here's the irony. This is happening all over the country. You have schools that have banned the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. You, you can no longer wear those shirts in many schools. I have not heard a school ban the white privilege card yet. So I need somebody to ban these damn things, all right? All right, that'll be a good start, Madam Superintendent. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments, okay. Thank you, C. Michael Henson. C. Michael says, this is a great point, by the way. Maybe CRT needs to be taught in K through 12 education, but not to students, but to teachers, staff, and administrators. But some in education want to erase and minimize our history hypocritical race theory. Yeah, well said, great point. Okay, early bird, thank you, early bird. There's a foil hat under that straw one, isn't there, Mr. Karen? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Twitch, Vanna NGO, subscribe with Prime, thank you so much for that. They've subscribed for 13 months, currently on a 10 month streak. Really appreciate you doing that. Um, happy 13 month sub anniversary. I love the I wish a Karen Wood segments. Thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, Misdom underscore Wonder Dragon. Why is the Satan not prosecuting the five Republicans that voted twice uh, in Florida and once by mail in their previous states and for Trump, obviously? Exactly. That's the last part you said is the reason why, because they voted for Trump. All right. Okay. Mormon Christian missionaries, they go to a door, they want to tell people about white Jesus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have found the repellent to individuals who are trying to evangelize you. Here's the video. Okay. Where can I find whatever they looked at to walk away from that home. Because I got to tell you, mm, I don't want to be bothered typically. All right, I got a lot of work to do. All right, I'm a Christian man. I read the scripture when I get around to it on occasion. But I try to do right by people. So no, I don't want you knocking on my door, interrupting my day. What was it that they saw that got them to walk off? Let's put it up. There it is. Gayest place in town they looked down and they saw gayest place in town 
floor mat and said, this is not the place we can knock on the door at. Ladies and gentlemen, I ordered earlier today a gayest place in town floor mat. I'm not saying this is going to work 100% of the time, but damn it, it's worth a try. All right, here's the background. Jamie Faust, all right, Jamie, who is 28 years of age, and her wife, Melissa, who's 32, initially purchased a rainbow trim doormat reading Gayest Place in Town from Target in June because they thought it was funny. They had no idea it would be operational, okay? When their doorbell cam caught this footage two months ago, let's put it up, <laughs> these guys. When their doorbell cam caught this footage two months ago, Faust held the doormat as their greatest investment ever because it only cost $10. All right, now look at their faces. Isn't that something? Faust went on to speculate that the missionaries left because they felt the couple were beyond help. Some of the comments from the TikTok said, one person said, um, Dietrich Daxon joked, isn't it their job to save you? They failed the mission. Remember that Bible story where they put blood on the doors to prevent that angel from taking firstborns? This is like that, <laughs> wrote another viewer. <laughs> now listen, okay, let me put this in another context. If I was a Mormon, and I'm not, and I don't wanna be, but if I were Mormon, and I sent out these evangelists who are armed with the truth of the gospel. And they allowed a damn floor mat to turn them away. Put up the picture of these individuals. Cowards. You mean to tell me that because someone may be a member of the LGBTQ community that a Mormon can't talk to them? They're not able to engage in conversation. Let me remind you two young lads that Jesus spoke to prostitutes. Jesus spoke to thieves. Joshua spoke to individuals that you would have walked away from. Now, I hope that's some wisdom for you because it's right in scripture. Matthew, John, Luke. Get it together, gentlemen. Conversation don't cost you nothing. Maybe you could have learned something. All right. My dear brother, Alonzo, thoughts. This is the greatest ad for those welcome mats that they could ever come up with. They are going <laughs> to sell. They could sell millions. Right. Of these. A yeah. Mormon repellent. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, if it's that easy to get rid of them, then you you know you throw one of those on the front door. I, I guess I don't know. I uh, good for them. They, there's. There's really nothing here. This is, uh, is it fear? Is it just, well, we're, our, our services will be better elsewhere? You know, uh, the, the little problem I have with that, you know, when you talk about saving them, listen, being gay isn't a sin. They don't, That's right. they don't need to be saved from being who they are. And people need to be left alone. They said only recently have these Mormons started this again after COVID when they stopped going door to door. And to that, I say, hey, get a clue. Maybe people don't want you coming to their door 
you know, it, it, if it's your religion, good for you, but that doesn't give you the right to annoy other people or push it on other people. So good on you, gayest couple in town. Yes. You won today. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, it is actually simply put, it's bigotry. It's bigotry of, an, of another form. It's bigotry. All right. No matter how you look at it. All right. Black woman wins the jackpot, gets a bunch of money, takes a check, goes to the bank that it was written in, goes to the bank to cash it. They told it was a fraudulent check. Let's put up her picture, full mass here. She's now fighting back. The bank refused to deposit this black woman's check. She is a Detroit public schools retiree. She has now filed a federal lawsuit alleging that white bank employees at Fifth Third Bank refused to deposit a check that contained money she won from a slot machine jackpot. That's according to Deadline Detroit. Now, remember, the check is 100% legitimate. The check is all the way authentic. She had her proper ID. Why was she denied? Because she's African-American. She got a lot of money. Oh, obviously this cannot be authentic. There's more. Ms. Lizzie Pugh, 71 years of age. Ms. Lizzie, who is black, obviously, won the jackpot during a church outing to the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant. Now listen, I'm not a gambling man myself, but if you can go and gamble with your church, that's the kind of church I want to be with. Just keeping it 100. The employees reportedly, all right, this is according to them, uh, told her the check was fraudulent and refused to give it back. So not only did they say, oh, you can't cash this, they stole it. That's theft. But according to Pew, the employees were being blatantly racist. Now, I trust Ms. Pew here. Let's put up a picture of the bank in question. Found this one on Google. Fifth Third Bank. Ms. Pugh said, and I quote, I couldn't really believe they did that to me, Pugh told the Detroit Free Press. I was devastated. I kept asking, how do you know the check is not real? And they insisted it was fraudulent. I was just terrified. According to the lawsuit, which was filed on August 29th, Pugh eventually got her check back. When she deposited it into another bank, it cleared the next day. No problem. Uh, this is obviously an issue on multiple levels uh, because Ms. Pugh could be in prison right now. Yeah, she could be in prison for the amount of money she was trying to cash, trying to deposit check, right? For the amount of money she could have gone to jail that day because somebody made a decision and said, well, we're going to just say this is a fraudulent check. We're not going to verify funds. We're not going to run it through our authentication system. We're just going to say it's fraudulent, steal your check, keep it, and send you on your merry way. Well, now she has filed a lawsuit. Uh, thank you, Ms. Pugh, for what you're doing. All right. That was it, dear brother. Well, I've been on all sides of this issue. Um, my mom, may she rest in peace, her true love was 
the slot machines, her and mm. her friends from church. They would send the bus to the church and they would go to from New York to Atlantic City and play the nickel and quarter slots and have a ball. So I, I know about that. I joke about the little old lady slot machine players. You don't want to mess with them. They play in their machines. I have also been, uh, had banks turn down a check because they didn't think I should have that kind of money. When I was young, I worked in aerospace. I had a really good job at Lockheed Aircraft and I went to banks and um, specifically Bank of America wouldn't cash a check no matter how much idea I had because there were employees who just didn't believe a young black man could have this kind of check legitimately. So what you're saying, it, it's absolutely easy to believe. And the thing, the ridiculous thing in this era, you know, and they'll still do it. The banks will hold your check for three to five days because then they get your money interest free. But the truth is in this era of the computer and everything being connected, they can verify that check more or less instantly. That's right. Instantly, they can verify that check, which is why the other bank released the funds in one day. Because if you're going to write a fraudulent check, you're not going to write it from a casino of yeah. all places. There's no one more secure with their money than casinos. So even if you are a fraudster, that would be the dumbest fraud to attempt, you know? Um, so, so good luck to this woman. I hope she does sue. And I hope the bank fires those employees. The problem is when these employees do something racist, sexist, or whatever else, they cost the company money, they cost the city money, they cost money to whatever employer it is, and they don't get rid of them. They just pay the fine and keep on moving and keep those employees. Fire these people. Well said. We got more. The other side is indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Okay. Um, Alex Jones has admitted killed the kids. Here it is. Do you feel responsible for what happened to the Sandy Hook families? Yes, I killed the children. But beyond that... No, I mean, I went in that school, I pulled a gun out, and I shot every one of them myself. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm guilty. It's true. No, but I mean... No, no, let's just... Do I feel responsible that someone on on played shoot them up video games on a bunch of drugs went and killed a bunch of kids and then the internet questioned it and i covered that no i don't feel responsible and i don't apologize anymore i'm done mm -hmm. i don't apologize i killed the kids was there a definitive I, no i killed them i killed them you didn't kill them no i did no you didn't no everybody said no no i killed them i killed them i already admitted i did it i killed them i'm the bad guy I'm the devil. Get rid of the First Amendment. Can we move on to other topics? I don't think you. I killed them. First Amendment killed them. Second, get rid of the Second Amendment. Get rid of the First Amendment. They're bad. They killed the kids too. This is why I advocate for better access to health care in America. There's more video. Here it is. George Washington killed him. Jesus killed him. The whole, we should rename the whole planet Sandy Hook. Everything. It should be holidays. We should bow five times a day to, to New Haven, Connecticut for the kids that died. Every American's to blame. Every gun owner's to blame. I'm to blame. We're all guilty to Bloomberg and Soros. Turn our guns in. Turn our guns in. I know. I did it. I killed them. I killed them. I killed them. I, I know. I killed them. So I'm done talking about it. I killed them. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the trial at all? 
There's nothing to talk about. Let me tell you, I don't know if I can do this interview right now. <laughs> you liking it? I don't think you should keep doing that. <laughs> what? Dude, I murdered those children. Uh, I did. I killed them myself. Still not a funny thing to say. Cocaine and white privilege. Now, let me say this. Alex Jones is deflecting from the reality of what he did. What did he do? He decided to exploit the real suffering of families who just lost their children. He exploited it, created a fantasy world that roughly 10 million people who subscribe or follow this clown believed. He created that atmosphere. Now, damn it, Alex, at some point you got to be an adult. You've grown ass man. There's no way you should treat people the way you do and get away with it. The question was a serious question. Now, Alex Jones claims to be a man of principle, morals, ethics, he says he's a Christian. So, Alex, you have actually apologized before for what you did. Now you're saying you are no longer apologizing for what you did. You know good and damn well what you did. And you know how your words impacted others. You see, Alex, you don't care about children. You don't care about suffering. You don't care about righteousness versus evil. What you care about is your ego, being right. You know, sometimes as human beings, we have to admit when we're wrong. I've had to admit when I'm wrong. I've had to do it on television, done it on radio. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Your inability to simply answer a question honestly, with compassion, with sincerity, shows me one thing about you, sir. You are, in fact, in fact, a hypocrite to your core. You are a play actor. You are a character and nothing more. And maybe you fooled a whole bunch of people, but damn it, you have not fooled me. Alonzo, thoughts on this clown? Well, um, Dr. Rishi, it's not often I disagree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you on something here. When you said at some point you have to be an adult. No, he doesn't. Um, he's not held responsible. Yeah. His cult believes in him acting this way. And in the Trump cult, the one thing you never do is admit you were wrong. Mm. You, you have tantrums. You act like a baby like this. The best thing you can do with people like him, and, and unfortunately, he's going to, you know, probably dodge paying this money with some fake bankruptcies and this and that. The best thing you can do with people like this is take away the platform. I don't know who was conducting that interview, but stop. Don't interview him. Let him talk on his Internet channel to his cult, but don't bring him. Don't give him the respect of bringing him into a uh, other news source because he's not. Of course, he's going to play the victim here like the, you know, the, the idea that I'm, I lied about these children getting killed. And now I'm the victim because I'm held accountable for lies. Forget about the true victims, which are the children and their families. No, yep. he's the victim because he got caught out on his lies. 
So I say we we have to take the platform from these people. That's the problem. They they're allowed to. Yeah, the First Amendment does allow you to talk, but the First Amendment also says you can be held responsible for what you say. And that is the adult side that you talk about that they just don't do. They will never admit they were wrong about something because in their cult, that is somehow seen as weakness. Yep, there you go. Very well said. A cop, off-duty cop, decides to shoot a landlord in the stomach twice, unarmed landlord in the stomach twice. Let me go to the video, here it is. You think they me? Shoot me! Hey, shoot me! Shoot me! That's what you do? You think that gun scares me? No, I don't no, get that no. gun! Hey, you can leave! How could you shoot me? Hey, shoot me! That's what you do, shoot me! Get the in the car and go! If there are kids here, stop, please! You think that motherfucking gun scares me? I still have time! Well, goddamn, I have every right to be here. This is my goddamn problem. Hey! I'll come to look to see what needs to be done once you're gone. Get your goddamn, get the hey. off. You come out of my goddamn car. Shoot your pistol in our... Kidding? I got that on tape. I know. Yeah, I got it on This off-duty cop decided to try and kill the landlord, was unarmed, put up the picture, clearly unarmed, clearly. It's an argument, but to turn that argument into a deadly use of weapon situation, deadly use of his weapon situation is beyond appropriate and is now criminal. Let's keep that picture up. And a Dare County deputy is currently under investigation for shooting a man who showed up at, at his residence in Washington County, Arkansas, where his small children were present. Deputy Travis Adams is his name. He has now been placed on administrative leave after the incident Saturday, September 3rd, pending the outcome of the investigation. The man he shot, the man you see right there, who's clearly unarmed, Justin Hellyer, who is reportedly the stepson of the landowner. He is the de facto landlord of the property that Adams lives on. Following the shooting, he was taken to the hospital where he is now listed in critical condition. According to the sheriff, Adair County Sheriff, Jason Ritchie, no relation, he spells his last name differently, thank God. He said, and I quote, Travis was at his place of residence in Washington County, and Justin just showed up. I believe he is the stepson of the landowner. Travis was in the process of packing up his belongings to move, and his small children were inside the home, said the sheriff. Adams had asked Hellier to leave the property several times according to the sheriff. So the sheriff is backing the play here. What you saw, ladies and gentlemen, was an attempted murder. That's what you saw. Your eyes did not deceive you. There's more. Travis knows 
him as someone he's dealt with as an inmate incarcerated in the sheriff's jail. That uh, what normal person would walk outside to talk to a man who he knows him as someone he's had uh, he, he's had to deal with as an inmate who has multiple arrests, question mark, according to the sheriff. Adams has been a jailer for a couple of years and a reserve officer with, the, with a good record with the Dare County Sheriff's Department, according to the sheriff. He's in the National Guard and now in Cleet. He's never shown any aggression and has zero write-ups without organization, the sheriff said. Oh, hey guys. Um, he has never tried to commit murder of an unarmed person before. So I'm going to say not a big deal here. I mean, come on, everybody's entitled to one attempted murder in their life, especially if you're the police. <laughs> That's basically what the sheriff is saying, okay? There's no real defense here for what this guy did. It was an argument, arguments happen, okay? And they, there may be good context for the argument. Arguments happen. That is deadly force you saw being used against an individual who didn't even have on a damn shirt. So you mean to tell me, deputy, that you are willing to engage with an individual physically, and then after you engage physically, instead of you either finishing the argument, walking away, subduing the individual, maybe even saying, hey, listen, now you're under arrest. You're just gonna pull out your gun and shoot somebody because you think you can. More importantly, he thinks he will get away with it. And what's unfortunate is that he may be right. All right, dear brother, thoughts here. This is uh, such an insane story. It, it's almost like some kind of movie or TV show. So the landlord comes. Now, we don't know why the landlord came, if he owed back rent or something. And the guy's right. packing up to move out. And they start arguing. And then you just pull out your gun and shoot him. I don't know why they're mentioning his kids. The kids weren't out there during the shooting. And then for the, the chief of police to protect you and say, well, he knew that guy from in prison. And like it said in the story, if I'm a jailer or if I'm a sheriff and I see a guy who I know has been in jail, then don't I, don't I think, well, maybe this is going to be a problem. Let me go inside. Let me call back up or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in this story. But like you said, you can have an argument. But if you're, if you're having an argument and you see, this is what I don't understand. I'm renting the land. I have an argument and I shoot the guy who owns the land. Like the, the, I know the gun people would normally say, well, you own the land, you're allowed to throw people off of it. But now I don't even know who's at fault here. I, I, I'm thoroughly confused. I'm, I'm gonna stay out of small town Arkansas, I tell you that. Yeah, we're gonna continue <laughs> to follow this story because I think there will be a very interesting development as to the why. This individual was there. All right. Once again, another police chief doing what? Selling dope. Not the first time we've covered a police chief selling drugs. Put up the picture of the chief in question here. There it is. A West Michigan police chief is accused of stealing and selling drugs from a police collection box designed to do what? Take drugs off of the streets. That's according to unsealed court documents. You're looking at Hartford, Michigan Police Chief, Teresa Beltran. You see, the chief 
is now under investigation. An investigation began when Van Buren County Sheriff's Office Narcotics Unit received an anonymous tip of possible narcotics use and sales at the Hartford Police Department involving the chief, according to the affidavit for, for the search warrant. Now, that's already ironic as hell, isn't it? The sheriff gets a tip that the chief of police in the same county is dealing drugs. Well, damn, what do we do here, fellas? Well, let's launch an investigation. They launch an investigation. They find out, well, um, where's she getting the drugs from? From a Dropbox, basically. There's more. Two dozen hydrocodone pills that went missing from the Hartford Police Department drug collection box was cited as evidence in a search warrant used in the ongoing criminal probe of Chief Beltran, Hartford Police Chief. The Hartford Police Department participates in a Van Buren County Sheriff's Office Red Med Box program, which collects approximately 2,000 pounds. Do you hear me? 2,000 pounds of unused medication every year. It's a lot of dope. It's a lot of prescription pills, a lot of narcotics. As part of the investigation, a South Haven police detective and member of the Van Buren County Sheriff's Office narcotics team advised the chief he dropped off 10 bottles of controlled substance in the Hartford Police Red Med box on June 24th. So here, here's the situation, everybody. The detective says, hey, chief, um, I just dropped off, you know, 10 bottles of a highly controlled substance in that little box y'all have, just to let you know. Did she take the bait? All right, here's the rest of it. Uh, he, the detective, advised the chief he was placing some controlled substances in the red med box so he didn't have to drive around with them according to the affidavit for the search warrant. So he came up with what we call a cover story. Two of the bottles contained hydrocodone with a black dot in both the cap and bottle, according to investigators. Beltran is the only member, get this now, let's put a picture back up quickly if we can. She is the only member of the police department in Hartford with a key to access the red med box, according to investigators. Now, damn it, chief. Now, I'm not saying do anything criminal, but if you would have given the key to at least one other person, <laughs> let me stop. On June 29th, on June 29th, okay, investigators returned to Hartford Police Department to request the medication for destruction. Chief Beltran requested they return the following day and told investigators she cleaned out the container and took them into evidence according to court documents. Chief Beltran then told the two members of the narcotics team she needed 15 minutes and asked them to return. All right, once again, they're supposed to have a verification here. She says, hey guys, all right, we're gonna verify this. Just, I need about 15 minutes along with the drugs. There's more. The detectives actually watch. Let's put a picture up again. 
the detectives watched as the chief got into her car, drove away before she returned with a large gray trash bag, which was torn open and not secured like the original bag, filled, filled with controlled substances. A bottle dropped off with 17 pills was returned with four pills missing, and a second bottle with 20 pills was returned completely empty, according to investigators. The sheriff's office, is responsible for destroying the drugs collected in the boxes at local departments, according to the policy of, Hart, of Hartford Police Department. Uh, this investigation, ladies and gentlemen, is still ongoing. It has not been determined if any criminal charges will be filed against the chief. Uh, and my response is, the hell you mean? No criminal <laughs> charges filed against the chief. The chief is currently on paid administrative leave. So not only is she still getting money from the taxpayers, She's getting money as a drug dealer. You literally are employing at government expense a dope dealer. You got to marinate on that for a minute. We're not sure if we're going to press charges here. Yeah, we know she sold dope, had a whole undercover operation about the dope that she ended up stealing. Now, damn it, forget the, the selling of the dope. You know she stole it. Go ahead and charge her with that. She'll admit she sold it later. These people crack under pressure. They haven't even done that, dear brother. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> well, she's not even a good dope dealer. Like not even said, a decent one. If, if the drugs are missing from a locked box and you're the only person with the key to that box, I don't know how long the investigation takes. But what we have here is another movie. And this movie's been made a few times where the cop is stealing the drugs or they, or they rob the police impound or whatever they we've seen this story over and over again if you're going to be a drug dealer at least be good at it you're not good you're, how lazy are you you're the only person with the key to the box you steal the drugs and then you try to sell them i'm surprised she didn't bust whoever she sold them to so she could confiscate them and sell them again see yeah let me not uh, she needs to be arrested. <laughs> she needs to be indicted, obviously. Uh, and it looks as if she may have, in fact, been working along. All right. Dear brother, always good having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Thank you. At AlonzoBowden.com, my schedule is always up there. Um, I have shows coming up in L.A., Buffalo, um, Colorado Springs, all over America. Please go to AlonzoBowden.com. All right, there it is. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.